this week on Buffy the Gilmore Slayer. <laughs> I'm just excited. That's all. I'm excited to see where this goes. Hello and welcome to Buffy the Gilmore Slayer. I'm Brian Morris. I'm Stacey Kulo. We're both comedians. And a couple. And I've never seen Buffy the Vampire Slayer, one of Brian's favorite shows. And I've never seen Gilmore Girls, one of Stacey's favorite shows. So we're watching both shows together, all seven seasons, comparing them as we go. And this week we watched season five, episode three of both shows, starting with Buffy the Vampire Slayer, The Replacement. As well as Gilmore Girls, written in the stars. These are both pretty good. I feel like I appreciated Buffy more watching parts of it again. Because it's a bit of a, what's going on right now? And then once you know, it's a little more impressive on the rewatch. Yeah, and this Gilmore Girls is nice because we're really diving deep into the Luke-Lorelai relationship. Like, we're really moving that along. Deep. Yeah. Deep, deep, deep. I didn't even mean that as sexually as it is, but... um. Okay, well, (laughs) just like deep. (laughs) It looks like it goes into the past, blah, blah, blah. Goes deep into her vagina. You know, all the, the ways you can think of deep. Yeah, we'll get there. You and me. <laughs> One of these days. One of these days. Uh, so we had a dog briefly. Yes, our friends had to leave town, and they asked us if we could watch their dog for them. He's the cutest little dude. He's very small. Very, very small. He's like a half chihuahua, half Terrier or poodle? I don't think they 100% know. He's very, very tiny and very old. Got along great with Kurt. In fact, they just pretty much ignored each other the entire time. Yeah. He's nice because he has some of the qualities that our cat doesn't have. Like, our cat is the nicest cat. As far as he's he's not mean at all. Like, we've never been afraid of him. Doesn't attack people. Doesn't like being picked up, but, like, he's not going to, like, scratch you for picking right. up. Right. But he is not an affectionate boy unless no. he wants food. He has no desire to sit on the couch with us and snuggle or sleep with us at night. Unless we have food. This dog, though. This dog demands it. Yeah. The first night, they were like, he sleeps in bed with us. You don't have to do that. But he was like, no, I will be coming into your bed. He started barking at her bed until we let him in so he could cuddle with us. Yeah, he can't get up there alone. We need to pick him up. But he, like, was not going to be going to sleep unless it was between us. But there were some downsides. Mainly, well, one funny thing about him, too, is that just the way his nails are, it just sounds like little tap shoes whenever he's running through the house. Yeah. Our apartment's all wood floors, so. Yeah, it's like. But also. He, um. This guy, he licks, he licks his dick a lot, a lot. and it's like very loud. <laughs> and like every night he'd sleep with us, and at first it's like, oh, this is so sweet, he's cuddling with us. But his like nighttime routine is like loudly and graphically licking his dick for the first 20 minutes of sleep. Just <laughs> it's like, dude, I just, if, if you were doing something else, it wouldn't bother me, but I know you got your dick in your mouth right now. <laughs> I've never had a dog. Maybe this is very common. The dog I was closest to when I was a child, my grandpa's dog, was a lady. So she didn't do that. Well, we have heard from another friend that ladies, it's they would lick a dick. They just don't have one. Mm. We had a friend whose female dog was obsessed with licking other boy dogs' dicks. Some girls are into that. <laughs> like aggressively to the point where the dog was like, I'm, I've had enough. It's okay. <laughs> I'm good. This is nice. We're doing this kind of in the morning. When I say morning, I mean it's like 3 p.m. The sun is out still. We sleep late on the weekends. We've been up a while. We don't get up at two. We're having coffee. You having coffee? You should better be having coffee. Of course I'm having coffee. Remember, we're in a separate room, so I have no idea what he's doing. He might be licking his dick. <laughs> You'd hear it. 
We got a couple of five-star reviews, Brian. That's awesome. Thank you so much to Megs1991, Lily1210, and Gent123. A lot of number people. Thank you very much, everybody. Megs1991 said that her last two Buffy podcasts resulted in the podcasters getting divorced. So she's hoping that doesn't happen for us. I mean, is there like a particularly difficult season that people disagree a lot about? Yeah, I wonder if it's going to get contentious over here. I'm just going to be yelling at you. They're like, I can't believe you support Logan. It's over. Oh, you mean in Gilmore Girls. I see. I thought you meant in Buffy. No, no. Well, well, well. Because Meg's just was saying that the problem was Buffy. Last night we played a board game at our house and we had... Um, Whoa, no transition there. <laughs> I was going somewhere with this. Okay. Uh, we were playing a game called Blood in the Clock Tower at our apartment last night, and we had a couple over who had a similar experience where she had shared Gilmore Girls with him at the beginning of the pandemic, and he shared Buffy with her. But they got into fights because he is, quote-unquote, a Riley apologist, mm. and uh, she's all about Angel. I guess it was it got heated between them at some point. I mean, I guess we'll find out, but is there like a point in the show where Buffy needs to choose between the two? I don't know. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> What? Okay. Just a quick reminder, if you have left us a five-star review or followed us on Patreon and are like, where's my shout out? We are quite ahead on the podcast. It is currently March 20th when we're recording this episode and the podcast is only out through the end of season four so far. Yeah. So we're a bit ahead. So it's not that we forgot you. We just, we're in the future. Yeah. Also, if you follow us on Patreon and are like, where's my shout out? We do those at the end of the podcast. So if you're looking for those. They're not at the top. Should we talk about shows? Let's do it. Well, this week we started with Buffy. Stacy, can you tell us all about The Replacement? Sure. So this episode is about Xander. He's still really struggling with who he is and what he's supposed to do next and what his friends think of him. And in this episode, he literally gets split in two about it. Yeah, he gets cut in half. Okay. So it opens with Zanya and Bailey having a double date in Xander's depressing basement. Oh, God. Bailey just sounds bad, doesn't it? Does it? Bailey? It sounds like bile. It's like describing something like as if it were like bile. I don't know. That seems to be how some people feel, except our friend's boyfriend. It's like describing like, oh, yeah, the liquid is brown and greasy. It was sort of bile Well, the color of his hair. <laughs> so they're all watching a kung fu movie. The guys are sharing a couch with the girl sitting on the floor between their legs Apparently, Xander has a cat we've never seen who's peed on his hot plate. Well, his parents probably had the cat, I'm guessing. Xander's parents are loudly arguing upstairs, and Xander decides it's probably time to finally find a new place. Buffy isn't really paying attention to the movie. She's reading a book about the Crusades, and Riley's like, Stop studying! You're supposed to be dumb! So she tunes into the movie, and Riley starts rubbing her shoulders. She's moaning, like, a lot. So Xander's like, I want that for me. So he decides to rub Anya's shoulders, one of which is dislocated because she got into a fight with a big demon last episode. So this doesn't go well. Then Buffy starts pointing out how the fighting in the movie doesn't really make sense, and Riley's like, come on, Buffy, stop thinking about work all the time. What do you want from her, Riley? You want her to watch the movie? You don't want her to watch the movie? You're proud of her for focusing on slang? You're annoyed by it? Make up your mind. Well, I think the show is trying to set up that Buffy, this season particularly, is really getting focused on becoming a better slayer. Yeah. To the point where it's like they're hanging out trying to watch a movie and she's like studying, which is like not generally something she would do. Right. And I feel like that's bleeding into like where she can't even disconnect herself from her slaying enough to even enjoy a movie where she's got to pick apart the problems of the movie. I love picking apart problems with movies. That's the whole premise of the show, pretty much. <laughs> sure. 
But Buffy's like, what? Willow's the same when we watch witch movies. And Xander's like, yeah. She'll be like, cauldrons? Who uses cauldrons? Cut to scary demon using a cauldron. You knew it was going to happen. <laughs> I thought it might cut to Willow using a cauldron. But no, it's a scary demon. He says he's going to use his pain to purchase the death of the Slayer. And he sticks a weapon and his hand into the cauldron. Cool, dude. Fun fact, the actor that plays this demon also plays Shax in Charmed. Remember Shax? The guy that punched Prue through a wall? Yeah, he has big arms. Uh, this demon's design is sort of interesting. It's like very simple, but it's almost like they were like, okay, we haven't done like a black light poster demon, have we? Let's do that. <laughs> Let's do a black light poster. Come to life. He's like kind of flamey looking. Like he's got some fire happening under his skin. He doesn't look good. I mean, I feel like he looks fine, but he looks weathered. Yeah, I, I liked him just because he's like pretty simple as far as design goes. But because of like the black light, like glowy stuff, I feel like he looks so much better than like the generic demons that they have sometimes. Mm -hmm. He's pretty much got the same like tattered black robe and like green face, but his design is enough to distinguish him so he doesn't look super generic. After the credits, Xander is apartment hunting. He's brought all of his friends, you know, something no one does. <laughs> This place is nice. It's probably way too expensive for him, and he doesn't really have any references, but everyone loves it, especially Anya. She's, like, begging him to get it. They're loudly arguing about it in front of everyone, even though she has her own place, he says. He's like, my construction job is ending. I can't afford this place, but she doesn't seem to understand, and something's clearly going on with her that she wants this place so badly. Speaking of wanting it badly, this real estate lady is very turned on by men wearing any kind of jacket. <laughs> That's what it is. Riley's wearing this brown leather coat and she sees him and is like, oh, Xander Harris. She's very disappointed to meet the real Xander who's wearing what looks like it used to be a very ugly white short sleeve button up shirt with like three different patterns on it. that got put in the wash with like a red sock and turned pink. <laughs> Like, over a yellow long sleeve shirt and maroon pants. It's, what is happening? It's so much. This is one of the worst. I feel like Xander's got, like, a clown virus or something, and he's, like, slowly becoming a clown. Like, his outfits get more and more absurd. It was like they found a terrible outfit and then dyed it to make it worse. Yeah, this episode, you're supposed to take mushrooms first, I think. <laughs> it's the visuals are just so much better. Xander and this demon. Riley and Buffy sneak off to start heavy petting in the bedroom. Like, what the fuck? They've been there like a minute. Can they not? Is it that boring already? There's kind of a funny joke where they're like, save it for the bedroom. And they're like, well, we're kind of in the bedroom. Right. But Xander's going to go ahead and apply for this apartment, even though it's clear the real estate lady doesn't have high hopes that he's going to get it. Yeah. Over at the magic box, Giles is sorting through everything when he's greeted by the cauldron man. By greeted, I mean he scares the shit out of him. Yeah. I love this running bit of Giles going about his business being startled by a demon. Mm -hmm. Like, they did that with him playing guitar, and then Spike was suddenly there. Maybe another time, too. They warned Giles being the magic shop owner would get him killed, but come on, man. It's been like a day. And the Scoobies later make fun of him for this. Shax is there, looking for Buffy. <laughs> Giles tries to beat the shit out of him with a fertility god statue, but he's doing zero damage. I love that the guy just, like, calls him out on that. Yeah. It's a fertility statue. Shax shoves him on the ground, saying Giles doesn't concern him because he's not the Slayer. And then he just leaves and walks down the street looking like he does. He has a very not street-friendly face. It is daytime. <laughs> a little later, Giles has gotten up and is reenacting how he beat the shit out of Shax with the fertility goddess. He's maybe embellishing a little, 
But then in a book, Giles discovers that Shax's name is actually Toth, and he's a very strong, sophisticated demon who uses tools and tends to focus on something. In this case, killing Buffy. Riley's like, he want kill Buffy, me want kill him. <laughs> yeah, Riley's always so like, oh, if he's going after Buffy, I'm going to kill him. And I want to be like, well, yeah, sure, but, but like, you know, Buffy's probably going to be fine. Like, yeah, Buffy Buffy's... doesn't need you to be like this. Yeah, let Buffy do it, man. Your Buffy's like accessory. Just look pretty and help her sometimes. You're there to hand her weapons, help her up after she got knocked down. That's about it, man. I feel like he's fine with that. He says he is. Yeah. I think he just likes to feel useful. Yeah. Giles also happened to notice that this guy smelled like literal garbage, so they go to the dump to look for him. So they're walking through the dump, and Riley's like, people say they're recycling. They're not recycling. I thought that was really funny. Yeah. Xander kind of, like, comfortingly pats him on the back. (laughs) It's the way he says it, too. It's, like, really, like, hurt. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Spike is there. He's got to be somewhere. He's scavenging for stuff. It's so funny how often in this show, and I know it's just for convenience, How often they just happen upon Spike. I mean, a lot of times it's outside his house in the graveyard, but yes. Yes, the graveyard's one, but they just just run across him so often. Yeah. It does make sense he would be here, but like at the exact time they are. Exactly. Giles asks him if he's seen Toth. He's like, yeah, he's right behind you. Get him, big guy. (laughs) And then Toth shoots his cauldron-dipped weapon at them. Xander shields Buffy with his body, and Toth disappears. They help Xander up and walk him home. He seems fine. MBD. But after they walk away, the camera pans over to another Xander, all sleepy sleep on a trash pile. Weird. So there's two Xanders? It looks that way. Uh, I think this is probably the point in the show where you informed me that Nicholas Brennan has a twin. Yep. Which is pretty cool. They're able to do a lot of stuff with two of them in this episode. And it looks good because like when they had Willow with the green screen, I think it looked pretty good. They did a good job with the green screen. But there was always the like, you could kind of tell. Yeah. But in this one, they don't have to do that. And it's just like, oh, it looks like there's two Xanders on screen. In this case, I could definitely tell which one was their normal Xander. Like, they're probably identical, but they're not, like, so identical that it's you can't tell. But I also told you that there was a second person. So you were, like, already, like, I don't believe one of these is Nicholas Brendan. That's true. But it also was, like, too good to be green screen because they're, like, literally both in the same shot, like, on top of each other. So I I was a little distracted the entire time being like, that's not the real one. That's not the real one. And you can tell that like whenever they have to have lines, if they don't both need to be in the same shot, they had Nicholas deliver it, which must have been like a nightmare to shoot to be like, okay, we need to switch clothes in this shot. You're talking switch back. I I don't know. This just must have been a lot to plan out. Yeah, that's a lot to plan out. You're totally right. Because their voices are probably slightly different, too. So it makes sense that they would want him to deliver as many lines as possible. I think the other guy gets a couple. He gets one line. There's a couple times where they say something at the same time, I think, towards the end. Anyway, the next day, it's a beautiful day at the dump, and Xander (laughs) is waking up very well rested. This is not where he expected to wake up. So he goes to his house. He must not have his keys because he can't seem to get in the door. So he goes over to the window and sees himself getting ready for work. He tries to run away to find Buffy, but just like immediately trips and falls down. He finally makes it to a payphone to call Buffy, but is suddenly distracted by his double walking past him, runs off to follow him. His double goes off to his construction job, which he seems way too nicely dressed for. Yeah. I mean, it's not like he's in a suit. Probably like the nicest thing Xander owns, but he's dressed more like the foreman that comes over to talk to him than like a worker bee. Mm -hmm. The foreman wants him to come into his office, which is the trailer from the TV show Dinosaurs. Yeah. It's such a deep cut. I felt the same way, but like so many people are not going to understand that reference. (laughs) But so many will. Regular Xander manages to spy on all this from the window. 
The foreman is saying that he's really impressed with Sanders' work, especially considering he hasn't done much construction, and he offers him a full-time job with better pay. This whole time, fancy Xander is twirling a shiny coin in his fingers, so regular Xander assumes he's somehow using this to hypnotize the foreman. The foreman says, congratulations, you and your girl should go out and celebrate. He's like, I already have an idea how. It's supposed to seem ominous. Well, the way you said it did. <laughs> like he was it a demon. It seemed ominous. Like we're, at this point, we think. I know where I'm going to take it to hell. <laughs> well, at this point, we think that this version of Xander is like yeah. an evil twin. Right. But that is a weird thing to say to your boss without offering any more information. Like just say like, I will. Or yeah, we're going to go to our favorite spot. I don't think it was that weird. Didn't bother me. If your boss said, take your girlfriend home and celebrate, you'd be like, oh, yeah, I think I know exactly what we're going to do. You would say that without offering any more information? Would I do it? No. If I got split into two pieces and one piece was perfect, yes. (laughs) You think perfection is like creepily and vaguely saying you're going to do something with your girlfriend? That's what bosses want to hear. Anyway, regular Xander then follows the double to the potential apartment that he was looking at. The devil has thrown on a jacket, so you know the real estate lady's into him. (laughs) She's so into him. She gives him her home number and practically insists he call her for sex. But again, he has the coin, so we're like, oh, he's hypnotizing her. That's why she's suddenly so into him. But spoilers, we find out later the coin is not magic, so this woman is just horny for jackets? Fucking so horny for jackets. (laughs) Like, stay away from Buffy, because she wears a lot of jackets. (laughs) After she leaves, Fancy Xander calls Anya, who's in her very fancy pajamas. She's letting it go to voicemail, but he invites her to meet him at the new apartment at 9. He leaves, and regular Xander sneaks up behind him, but Fancy Xander punches him in the face and runs off. During this time, we get a couple other little scenes. Buffy's packing up all her axes to go fight Toth, but gets distracted by Riley's tongue. It happens. Dawn is watching this from the hallway like a weirdo and starts gagging and says she knows someone who knows someone who died from choking on her boyfriend's tongue. Get the fuck out of here. No, you don't, Dawn. Who even are you? Yeah. Buffy's like, get out of my room. Dawn's like, I'm not in your room. I'm in the hallway. Then Joyce pops out. and Buffy's like, hey, mom, can you deal with this? And Joyce is like, you mean parent? Mm Mm-mm. I don't think so. (laughs) Bye-bye. Not what I do. So Buffy just shuts the door in her face and that's all the Dawn we get this episode. Speaking of all we get this episode, Spike is taking some stuff he found at the dump to build an effigy of Buffy, which he then kicks to the ground. He's working on his goals. That's nice. Yeah, that's nice. Back to the Xander story. It's pouring rain. Regular Xander runs to Giles' place, and he peeks in the window and sees fancy Xander telling Giles, Buffy, and Riley that there's someone out there who stole his face, and they have to kill him. Regular Xander's like hoping they see through this, but no, they're buying it. Buffy's going to go try to kill regular Xander. I feel like Xander could just walk in and be like, listen, guys, I'm the real Xander. I just run a test. I'm, I'm turning myself in. I'm the real Xander. Yeah. Why not go in right at that moment and try to figure it out with everybody? But for some reason, Willow wasn't invited to the Scooby gathering. So regular Xander goes to visit her at her dorm. She's got a double bed. So maybe she does live with Tara. Maybe she's just got a single room with a big bed. It's kind of weird that they haven't said. We have no idea where Buffy or Riley are actually living. Is the frat house still a thing? I don't think so. Buffy's still at her mom's house a lot, but she's also indicated that she wouldn't be around once school started, so maybe school hasn't started yet? It's episode three. And and if school hasn't started yet, is Willow just in the dorms before school starts? Right, that's why I'm like, where's Buffy living? Yeah, it's weird. I think Buffy's living with Tara. (laughs) I need answers, show. Anyway, Xander's like, Willow, it's me, I can prove it. 
He goes like three pathetic stories about his past. She's like, cool. I already believed you were Xander. You didn't really need to say all that. And he tells her he's got a double pretending to be him. And he's hypnotizing people to think that he's the real Xander. Simultaneously at Giles' place, they're trying to figure out what kind of supernatural creature could be doing this. Fancy Xander's like, uh, can we, can we just kill it? Right. Sounds like something the double would say, Fancy Xander. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Buffy suggests, maybe Toth did this. Yeah, no shit. Yeah. The guy shoots at you guys, doesn't hurt you, and then just bails? Obviously it was him. Yeah. But Giles acts like, hmm, yeah, I, I guess that makes sense. Hmm, I hadn't thought of that. It just, that, that would immediately be my suspicion. Yeah. So Buffy's off to look for Toth. Xander's off to do God knows what to Anya. I think we know. What do you think we know? We know. Uh, whatever his fancy plans were for her later. Yeah. It involves the foreman. <laughs> Simultaneously, Willow quickly assumes it must be Toth. Thank you, Willow, for being smarter than Giles. Despite regular Xander thinking it might be a robot. This becomes a running bit that he thinks it could be a robot. <laughs> yeah. But Xander's very bummed that he's always the one that gets in trouble and needs saving. He's especially upset that this double has like seemingly taken over his life and is hypnotizing everyone he loves so easily. And everybody takes him seriously. And he worries the other version of him is smarter and just all around better. Right. He's like, maybe I should just let this guy take over my life. He's better at it than me. Right. And Willow's like, no, we don't want that. Xander's like, nah, what do I even have that's worth it? And then he remembers Anya and that she's in danger. And Willow's like, wait a minute, you just remembered Anya now? And Xander says, well, just wait till you have an evil twin and see how you handle it. He leaves. <laughs> and Willow's like, I handled it fine. Yeah, that was funny. So he goes to Anya's place. She's not there. He plays the message from Fancy Xander on the answering machine, which is now magically cut off at the beginning. I know. It's like, that's not how answering machines work, man. And he starts rummaging through her drawers for something. Back at the apartment, Fancy Xander is impressing Anya with a little carpet picnic. He tells her he got this place because he knew she wanted it. So now I'm thinking, this guy clearly has Xander's memories. What's the deal exactly? And Anya wants to know what's next for them. Are they going to get a car, a dog, a baby? She's got a list somewhere of things they could do. She suddenly seems very concerned about time and says that she's dying. She says she might only have 50 years left. And Xander deduces that her mortality is starting to frighten her a bit. So real quick, he like very intuitively and like astutely points out that like, oh, you're upset because you haven't ever been hurt like this before and that made you think of your mortality. Mm -hmm. But like she has been hurt before, like in Where the Wild Things Are, she had like a vine go through her hand. Well, we forgot about that, though. We totally did. We The show acts like that didn't happen or that like that's a scratch. That's something you'd have to recover from for the rest of your life. Like, the bones in your hands are just gone there? Like, Yeah, I don't even know that she had a bandage after that. She didn't. It was just like it didn't happen. I know a comedian that I worked with who was a terrible person, so don't worry about it. But he was playing with a gun one time. Not around me. This is you tell me about the story. And he shot a hole in his hand. And because he did that, they had to remove one of his fingers. Like, he shot it through the center of his hand. But for whatever reason, they just, like, ruined one of his fingers. So he only had four fingers on his hand. And... I mean, essentially, it's the same thing. Anya's, like, center of her hand was gone. It Like, she's at least not going to have a fully functional hand from now on. So, I don't know. Yes, she did take a head injury, which is a little different. But still, I feel like she's taken a huge inju injury before. Maybe when the vines disappeared, any wounds they caused disappeared as well. I guess that's one way to think of it. Except that they still had, like, scratches. But that doesn't matter. Anya kind of reluctantly admits that this is what's up with her. And Xander very sweetly talks her through it and promises that very soon she won't be thinking about getting older. Sounds like he's gonna kill her. Yeah. Or, like, replace her with, like, a body double or something. 
Cue regular Xander busting through the door, trying to convince Anya he's the real one. Fancy one's like, no, he's a demon trying to trick you. And regular Xander has like nothing to say. Like he came in there real strong, like Jess coming into Rory's dorm, but then really <laughs> didn't have a plan where to go from there. So Anya for now is kind of siding with the fancy one. He seems a little more sure of himself. Well, the other guy smells like garbage and uh, <laughs> is dressed terribly. Willow arrives at Giles' place, somehow not pissed that they've gathered without her. And Giles is like, I swear this time, I know I had that locked. <laughs> she is there to tell them about the whole toss Xander switcheroo. And they're like, uh, no, we were just talking to Xander, Willow. Go home. They're, n- they're not. <laughs> but they don't believe her right away. Right. She's like, no, no, that's the fake one. I had the real one. And then Buffy and Riley are like, you know, now that you mention it, our Xander was weirdly confident and not a total spaz. I love that they're like, wait, our Xander was too cool. (laughs) (laughs) He didn't stutter or make a dumb joke or try to say something inappropriate to Buffy. It couldn't have been really Xander. (laughs) Giles has, meanwhile, via book, put together that neither Xander is a demon or a robot. Neither of them is evil, but rather Toth's device split Xander's personality into two different bodies. One of them, Xander's more confident traits, and the other is more dumb traits? I don't know. They don't really say exactly how it's split. Well, didn't they set up that it was like his good traits versus his bad traits? Just whatever that means? I guess so. I don't know that that really makes sense. Like, what's a good trait versus a bad trait? Like, yes, there's some things that obviously are good or bad, you know? Yeah. But, like, some traits are like, that's just a trait. I don't know that it has a value, like, one way there or another. There might be some traits that could be considered negative. Like, I don't know. Being a procrastinator or something. But like yeah. maybe there's a scenario where procrastinating saves your life. Right. Or, or like, like because you're a procrastinator, you take your time with stuff. Like I don't, I don't know that everything is good or bad and personality traits. But also Toss' intention was for this to happen to Buffy so that the non-slayer one of her would be easy to kill. And if you kill one of the halves, both die. So I'm not sure how we can predict exactly how it would split Buffy. Like, maybe both halves would still be slayers. One would be her, like, witty half with her jokes that don't really matter, and one would be, like, super militant, but both still slayers. Like, how do you know that all the slayer will go to one side? Well, we don't know how he set up the spell. Maybe he set up specific things in the spell. You know what I mean? Like... He programmed the cauldron goo? Yeah. (laughs) Like, separate these aspects of her. So that the other one would be like a stumbly fucking bad dressing idiot. Yeah. And she, he could easily kill that one. Well, decent plan, Chax. I guess punching someone through a wall is maybe easier, but <laughs> not when you're dealing with the Slayer. If any of you guys skip the charm part of this, you have no idea what I'm talking about. I was going to say, like, some people are like, what is this Jack wall stuff? <laughs> That's okay. Or go back and listen to all the charm parts. Or specifically the end of season three. No reason. Just, it's funny. Keep going. <laughs> But now the gang is worried because they know that both Xanders are out there wanting to kill each other. So Riley and Buffy are off in Giles' car. Riley's so pumped to be driving. He says they're going 70? Where is Xander's new place? Is he moving like several towns over? Isn't everything (laughs) in Sunnydale the same street? You shouldn't have to go 70 to get anywhere. Yeah. I know you like cars almost as much as balls and mommies, but slow down, (laughs) Riley. Got the Slayer in the car. The balls is referencing to the poster. Just some people that maybe skip some episodes are going to be like, what the balls? The fuck are you talking Well, these jokes aren't for them. <laughs> <laughs> these are for the deep cut, cutthroat fans. The cutthroat fans? Yeah. There's people that kill to get to the next episode. Wow. <laughs> oh, shit. People wait line. The scene in the car, though, I feel like is important. Yes. Despite how annoyed Riley has seemed with Buffy's Slayer side hustle lately, he insists he doesn't secretly wish that she would have gotten split into two instead of Xander. She points out he could have had 
a regular non-slaying Buffy as a girlfriend. He's like, no, that's part of you. And you wouldn't be the you I like if that part was gone. I'd like it all. And then he says that there's no part of her that he's not in love with. To which Buffy says, nothing. She smiles, uh, but that's it. She roars him. Riley is Dean. I know, right? They're in a car together. <laughs> he tells her she loves her. She does not say it back. And he's fine with that. He's happy being her weapon sack. <laughs> Regular Xander is still trying to convince Anya that he's the real one, but fancy Xander is very confident until Regular Xander pulls out a gun, which must have been the thing he was rummaging for at Anya's. Fancy Xander pretty easily wrestles away the gun, and then Buffy and Riley show up. Riley's very shocked to learn that Anya owns a gun. Yeah. Buffy demands the hand of the gun and then tosses them both to the kitchen and explains to them what's going on. I'm curious if people knew he had a twin, because this is basically impossible camera trickery. Yeah. I mean, you could do it with CGI nowadays, like if you had the budget for it, but this TV show didn't have the budget for it, or the ability at this time. Definitely not. You can tell when a CGI effect is about to happen. Someone's like alone by themselves in the middle of a shot. Well, anytime a vampire turns into a vampire, there's that weird like close-up shot, and it's like, none of this background looks real, man. (laughs) Right. You're like, you're definitely about to become a vampire. They don't believe that they're both Xander. Regular Xander's like, what about the hypnosis coin? And Fancy Xander reveals it's just a flattened nickel he thought was cool. I love that you keep calling him regular Xander, but he's he's not. He's like <laughs> pathetic Xander. But you're like, that's the same as regular Xander. <laughs> yeah. Well, for most of the show, we think he's the real one. Right. From so our point seems... of view, he is the regular Xander. And honestly, he seems closer to what we know as Xander than the other one does. Yeah. Yeah. He's just like a little more pathetic. They seem to be kind of coming around to the idea that they're both Xander's. So they're going to head off to have Giles fix this. But then Toth shows up. Riley tries to fight him. He does slightly better than Giles. But come on, Riley. That's not a thing. You can't fight this guy. And then Buffy knocks him out long enough to be able to kill him with a sword. Now the two Xanders are just fully on board with both being Xander. So much so that on the way to the magic shop, they must have swung by some thrift stores and managed to find the ingredients to make the exact same (laughs) awful outfit for the other one to wear. Well, I think we we must imagine that when he left the junkyard, two outfits existed, right? Like two versions. Oh, you're right. Okay. Yeah. But it's weird to be like, I'm going to go put that on so we look the same. (laughs) Let's go home and change so we match for the spell undoing? What? Yeah, let me go put on my smelly junkyard clothes. (laughs) Like, shouldn't they be putting him back together ASAP and not swinging by anywhere? I don't, it doesn't make any sense that they ran back to his place to do this. No, it doesn't. The girls are all fascinated by how identical these two are. And Riley says that this is psychologically fascinating. And don't you just want to lock them in separate rooms and do experiments on them? That's the Maggie Walsh part of his brain. (laughs) Everyone just looks at him like, Riley, Riley, no. Like, should we be worried about you, dude? (laughs) That's a scary thing to say, man. Anya's very interested in what having two Xanders could mean for her sexually. Yeah, she wants to, like, have sex and then do it. But I'm thinking to myself, like, yeah, but pathetic Xander's going to come immediately and then be upset. (laughs) They assure her they have identical dicks. They've checked. And Anya's like, yeah, maybe we could do this tomorrow. (laughs) Giles is like, can can we not? I hate this. Stop talking about your sex lives around me, all of you. The two Xanders are becoming more and more alike. And Giles is like, yeah, he's clearly a bad influence on himself. Yeah, that's funny. Apparently all Willow needs to do to break the spell is say, let the spell be ended. It's kind of a funny choice. Yeah. The show's just overdoing circle rituals. Well, I mean, it kind of makes sense because she, she, I feel like her logic does make sense where she's like, this is easy. Like, I don't have to do really a new spell. The spell is the only reason you guys are separated right now. Yeah, yeah. 
But Giles did have to draw a pentagram on the floor. He just likes doing that. Yeah, maybe that's just part of the design for the store he just happened to be doing when they showed up. <laughs> yeah. It ends with moving day. Everyone's helping Xander move out. Xander's not so fondly remembering all the times various demons did various things to him in this basement. Some time has probably passed because Anya's shoulder's all better and she's feeling slightly better about mortality. It's kind of a weird moment where Anya doesn't want to help move. Like, it felt like kind of a clunky setup to get to the point of this scene. Yeah. I was like, just help move, Anya. You're being weird. I don't know. It just was like a weird little manufactured fight they had to have so that Xander could have the following conversation with Riley. Yeah. Xander says to Riley, how does she always make me feel like suave Xander's left the building? Which, again, is weird because if time has passed, like, he's still referencing this thing that happened, like, weeks ago. Well, I mean, it could have happened a couple days ago. That's true. But Riley assures Xander, everything's fine. Anya loves all sides of him. You can tell. And Xander's like, yeah, you're just so lucky with Buffy, though. I mean, not that I love her or ever did or still think about her for sure. <laughs> and Riley's like, yeah, I know. I'm so lucky. Buffy's like, nobody else in the world. When I'm with her, it's like I'm splitting too. Half of me is on fire, just so crazy about her. And the other half is so peaceful and content. And I know she's the one, but she doesn't love me. Oof. Yeah. And then he just keeps gleefully packing the guy who may or may not still want to bone his girlfriend who doesn't love him's things. And Buffy comes in to help her and Riley kiss. And Xander just kind of stares at all this like, whoa. Yeah. Man, Riley, get out of here. You're hurting yourself. Yeah. Go back to Iowa and find a nice corn girl. I don't know, man. Stay around for as many times as you can have sex with Buffy. Corn girls want to have sex and will love him. Yeah, man. There's just so much interesting about calling them corn girls. Yeah? Name some things. Corn holing. Okay. I, is that a thing? I'm not familiar with cornholing. Tell me about it. <laughs> okay. Let's just Google it real quick. <laughs> okay. Put slang. Hmm. Okay. Well, there's, there's, you know, a- anal intercourse. <laughs> but then Urban Dictionary says it's the act of sitting in such a way on purpose that your penis slips in between your butt cheeks and you have to fart to pop it out. <laughs> yeah. So which were you Some thinking? Some girls love that. <laughs> The girl likes it when you do it to them. Babe, I did it again. Fart your dick up for me again, Riley. <laughs> Wait, does the girl need to fart it <laughs> No, she just watches. I hear popping sounds coming from the other room. Is that your notification? I'm cornholing. <laughs> Is that your computer? Or are you doing something? <laughs> it's just me doing the sound. This is the last episode. We're done. Divorce. (laughs) What about all those people that are killing for episodes? (laughs) They're going to be demanding more. Well, this must be as far as the other people got. (laughs) Um, But yeah, that's that's the end of the episode. I think it's so interesting. I remember the first time I watched this episode not particularly liking it. And it was like the first Xander-focused episode that I didn't really like. It's just not as funny as some of the other Xander episodes, like Bewitched, Bothered, and Bewildered, I think this was called, and uh, The Zeppo. It's like goofy, like all the Xander ones are, but I just didn't find it as funny. But re-watching it, I do think it's pretty cleverly put together. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's interesting because I really don't think you can appreciate it until you rewatch it. Because Xander is like so dopey. The Xander we believe to be the real Xander is so dopey and goofy and stupid and selfish, honestly. Like the fact that he doesn't think of Anya until later. And it's only like in the context of that being taken away from him that he's like really worried about it. And it's not like he says, like, oh, Anya, I don't want her to die. I love her. He says, like, I need her. Yeah. Like, she's the thing I need. 
not like a thing I care about the how she's doing. Meanwhile, the other one's super caring about her and her feelings. Exactly. And Xander's like trips and falls a bunch of times, which at the time was like, oh, dumb, goofy Xander. It's like, no, but he literally is like a goofus. Like that's what's happening to him now. And it's just like all these things are like, oh, these are real choices, not just like funny, dumb slapstick. Mm -hmm. And all of that is really interesting. And I thought like kind of well done. Yeah. But you wouldn't ever really know that that's what's happening your first time through. Right. Even when you find out later, like, oh, he's kind of a dumber version of Xander. I don't feel like it's as obvious all the little things. Right. Yeah. They did a really good job of misdirecting. Yeah. I started to suspect something was off when Xander was being so vulnerable with Willow. That just seemed like very sudden. Mm -hmm. It kind of makes sense because, I mean, his character's been struggling for a bit now. But it just seemed sudden. But I I didn't telegraph what was actually happening. But, like, rewatching it, the scene in Giles' place, Xander seems suspicious. Like, we think he's Toth and trying to play it cool so as not to blow his cover. Right. But really, he's just, like, chill. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's just the, the calm part of Xander trying to figure this out. And then this is kind of an interesting thing, too. At, at the little picnic with Anya, she says he can't understand what it's like to suddenly be human. And he says something like, I think I can get what that would be like. Meaning, like, this is a demon that suddenly became human, but really he's just like saying, I think I can relate, which he probably can't actually. Right. But yeah, just a lot of scenes like rewatching, you're like, oh no, this is just two different versions of Xander acting certain ways. But they did a good job making the fancy Xander seem suspicious. Right. So this episode, I feel like, also sets up a lot of little Easter egg things for later in the season that like, I don't even know if they were deliberate, but like there's two things in particular that are like very like, oh, that's interesting that they had that little thing in this episode because of something that happens later. Is that I all can't... you want to say? Well, one of them is what Spike's doing, and that's all I can say about that. Okay. Yeah, he he made a little mannequin of Buffy. At first it seemed kind Maybe of cre- romantic creepy. Maybe romantic or something? Yeah, or, like yeah. he like brushes her hair out of her face, but then he kicks her. Yeah. Um. So did you think this was a good episode? It's interesting because I think it is a good episode, but I don't know that it's like a super enjoyable episode your first time through. Yeah, exactly. I I feel like it was sort of whatever the first time. But yeah, rewatching parts of it, I was like, okay, this was cool and well done. That's so funny, right? Like Mm -hmm. just watching it your first time, it's not bad. It's sort of like, "Uh huh, that was fine. Kind of like a placeholder episode. But rewatching it, like, no, it is actually better than I thought. So it's it's hard to rate. (laughs) Right. But yeah, I would say it was a good episode upon a rewatch. Cool. Well, should we move on? Yeah, let's do it. And now for a special segment we like to call Meanwhile on Charmed. Charmed was another popular WB show airing around the same time that neither of us has ever seen. But we're discussing it anyway. Based only on its IMDb summaries. Stacy, what happened on Charmed? Meanwhile on Charmed, Season 5, Episode 3, Happily Ever After. An evil witch kills the keeper of fairy tales and forces the sisters to relive them. Phoebe is controlled by Cinderella's glass slippers, Paige bites into Snow White's poison apple, and Piper and Grams fall prey to a wolf. Who the fuck is Grams? Is that an old person? Yeah, yeah, it's their their old neighbor that lives across the street that they have gone to for advice a lot that we just, we haven't mentioned it much because most scenes weren't that interesting, but this one, woof, there's some little red riding hood shit. And they were like, we need an old woman for this, so how about Grams? She's important now. So we heard from some people that season five, it gets very fairy tale-y after this. And so far, they seems correct. It's <laughs> literally only been fairy tale shit. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, 
Piper and, and Grams get Little Red Riding Hooded. Yeah. Paige is, you know, dead on a bed because she bit into an apple. So, yeah, at first they're like, they're trapped in these fairy tales and they're like, oh no, this sucks. Like, what are we going to do? But what saves them is just their knowledge of how the fairy tales are supposed to go. Yes, because they love fairy tales. You know, yeah. their favorite book is The Book of Shadows. But after that, it's fairy tales, the book. Like Phoebe has to do whatever someone holding the glass slipper tells her to do. But she ends up just breaking the glass slippers. Someone is holding the slippers? Yeah, the prince. She's not wearing them? Well, she, she is at first, but then the prince, she loses it at a party. Mm-hmm. But she ends up breaking the glass slippers, and she, she finds out that's where the control is on her. She doesn't exactly know what's controlling her at first. She breaks the glass slippers, and she convinces the prince to date one of her disgusting mean sisters. And by date, you mean kiss Paige to wake her up from her slumber. Yeah, exactly. And then kill the wolf who has eaten Grams just in time before he eats Piper. Yeah, so she comes in on the wolf. She tells Grams to hide. Grams hides. Well, Grams hid inside the wolf when the wolf ate her, and she... Okay, yeah, she's like, <laughs> let him eat you, hide inside, try not to get chewed up. The wolf comes in and still pretends to be the grandma, and Piper plays along a while, but she just keeps saying stuff to him, like, oh, and your ears are so big, and your eye, And she just keeps adding it, so, like, this just stalls for forever. She's like, and your knees are so hairy, and your butt is so taily, and she stalls long enough for... Phoebe to bring in the woodsman to kill him. The woodsman meaning the prince. <laughs> well, the prince knows the woodsman. I mean, he's, it's one of his. Oh, the prince is like, I don't do wolf stuff. I, I got my friend, the woodsman. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So she gets out safe and sound. Yep. It's very graphic ending, actually, because they're like, Grams is dead. And then just like a knife comes through the wolf's stomach and slits him open. And Grams is like, I'm fine. The keeper of the fairy tales, though, is, is dead. The yeah, witch yeah. killed her brutally. But that's when uh, they were like, hey, Grams, you want to be the keeper of the fairy tales now? And Grams is like, yeah, I love fairy tales. Oh, yeah, because Grams read them, the fairy tales, when they were kids. That's why yeah. they were such big fans. Grams is like, I'll do it. Man, I hope we see a lot more Grams. She was awesome. Yeah. She's played by the woman who was the evil lady in Where the Wild Things Are and is also in this episode of Gilmore Girls. <laughs> is that something you're just saying or is, it, did you, is that actually true? I don't know that it's not true. I'm, I'm Okay. <laughs> Okay, I was like, that's insane if that's true. Uh, I haven't looked it up, but it's probably true. Yeah. Anyway, pretty fun episode. I would say it was pretty much for kids, except for that Grams thing was very graphic at the end. Yeah, and the killing of the Keeper of the Fairy Tales. They, like, took out all the pages of the books and gave her a million little paper cuts. And she just, like, bled out on the floor of the bookstore. They were family shopping and stuff. Jesus Christ. Anyway, this has been Meanwhile Uncharged. Okay, Brian, let's talk about Gilmore Girls now. Tell us what happened on Written in the Stars. Okay, so this episode is about Lorelai and Luke's relationship developing a little bit more. Deeply. Yes, deeply. And Rory moving into Yale and kind of dealing with some of Paris' stuff. Yeah. So the episode starts with a Friday night pre-dinner? <laughs> Lorelai and Rory are at the pool house having drinks with Richard, and his manservant, sorry, valet, Robert, is there. Interesting thing I want to note here is that Richard has, like, a little bouquet of, like, miniature apples on his table. Yeah, his centerpiece. What is their obsession with apples? Did he put this here? Did Emily decorate the pool house? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. And, it, and, and now it makes me just kind of wonder if I don't sympathize a little bit more with Richard, when he just told Emily that he's always liked the centerpiece, like there's always apple centerpieces. So, That's a like, good point. So maybe it's not crazy that he didn't recognize these were different. My mom has a ton of apples. She does. Her, her kitchen is apple themed. Yeah. Hers are not 
Venetian million dollar apples. Right. Or from fucking Michael's or whatever. <laughs> these looked like real apples too. And I was like, is someone going to eat these apples? There's so many. Anyway. Yeah, they're green ones. They're having a pre-Friday night dinner at Richard's in the pool house before they go to Friday night dinner with Emily's because obviously they're separated right now, but they're still obligated to have dinner with both. But this pool house is supposed to be what? Like guest quarters? Because it's fucking huge. It's like a small apartment. They have a fucking kitchen and a stove in there. It's it's big as if someone could live there, huh? Right. But like, does that just like, is that their guest house in general? It's crazy. But also, if I had a guest house, I'm like, you don't need a kitchen in the guest house. We have servants and stuff. I assume you'll be eating it with us. Yeah, I don't, I don't really know. I don't it just know seems crazy that do. it's got its own kitchen when they have like a big kitchen with a staff inside. If you're rich, let us know. Also, donation link at the bottom of the episode description. <laughs> yeah, if you're rich, let us know the answer. And also, <laughs> please fund us. Uh, we would love it. We are not rich. What's weird here is that they like do not stay long at all. Like they get poured a drink. He, like, puts out some Hungarian cheeses that they never have a chance to eat. And then it's time for them to go to dinner at Emily's. Yeah, the maid comes to get them. He doesn't really put up that much of a fuss. I feel like if I were him, I'd be like, ugh, it's time for them to go to Emily already? Yeah, it seems like no time passes. And there's maybe an indication that Emily made dinner a little early. But Richard doesn't, like you said, protest. So I feel like maybe it is regular time for dinner. I mean, it is true that Lorelai and Rory often are late. So maybe that's cutting into Richard's time. But... Like you said, Richard doesn't seem that upset about it. I thought it was funny when Rory's like, the last time I was in the pool house was when I was in the pool. And Lorelai's like, I know, I pushed you in. <laughs> <laughs> well, then they go over to the Emily's house. And I just like to say, it's so nice to just call it Emily's house now. Because it was just so many words to be like, they went to Richard and Emily's. Because you can't say the Gilmore house. Exactly, because there's another Gilmore house. You could say the Gilmore mansion. I guess I could say the Gilmore mansion. Is it a mansion, though? It's just like a big house. It's They have a whole second house. I would say it's a mansion. I don't know. Dracula's mansion was a mansion. This is just a, a, a big, big, big house. Again, rich people, we need you. <laughs> <laughs> just to help explain these things. And to fund us. Emily is freaking out because they are all talked out when they get there. She's mad that they already had all their talking points with Richard and they're not repeating them for her. But then she gets very upset because Richard walks in to get something from his study. And she's all like, you can't just come in here. What if I was stark naked on the couch in the living room? And he's like, you've never been stark naked. We went skinny dipping one time and you wore a coat. Also, why would she be naked? He knows Lorelai and Roy are there. Yeah, exactly. But also, like, Emily, it doesn't sound like you. When you, like, lost your shit, you still wore a robe, so. Although she has been ripping off her skirt lately. That's. I was just thinking that, like, if she's going to be naked, Richard, she's going to be outside of a window. <laughs> the next day, Lorelai and Rory go to Luke's where Lorelai wants to flirt with Luke. But he is resisting it. It's no surprise that PDA makes Luke uncomfortable, but Lorelai wants to flirt. And honestly, I thought this scene was really cute. I like this scene so much. Yeah. The whole interaction is fun. Like, she's, like, goading him to flirt. Like I said, he's uncomfortable, but he does like Lorelai, you know? And I feel like he kind of likes how she goads him a little bit. Maybe he's not comfortable to do something he would like to do, but her prodding him to do it, he kind of has an out to do it. I love when he's, like, refusing to flirt. She's like, oh, thank God you don't have a Latin accent. <laughs> kind of like... <laughs> Well, she goes up to the counter, you know, wanting to flirt, and he's all like, okay, well he, well... he calls her over, actually. Yes, you're right. He calls her over so he can secretly flirt with her in private. <laughs> and he's just sort of like, you know, those uh, jeans are really working for you, and they're really working for me, too. <laughs> no emotion behind this line delivery. <laughs> yeah. I feel like he's almost embarrassed. This is not something Luke does, mm -hmm. you know? Luke asks her out without saying where. 
And Lorelai's like, okay, as long as it's not. And then she just details the entire plot of the movie Some Kind of Wonderful, an 80s movie with Leah Thompson that very few people probably remember. But it's funny to us because she doesn't say the name of the movie, but like I did recognize it. And not everybody would, but I was like, that's funny. And he's like, okay, I'll think of something else. (laughs) As if he had any idea what she was talking about. Yeah. It's one of those things, too, where, like, did Luke get the reference? I don't know. The two of them also decide that maybe they should just keep the relationship on the down low from the town for now. Which is like, okay, cool. We'll just not mention this to everybody. We'll see what happens with that. I said this already, but, like, I just, I feel like their chemistry is great together. I feel like this is the, and I can see why some people wouldn't. Because Luke is not like Christopher. He is not like Jason. But I I do feel a chemistry there that I really like because she pushes Luke in a way that he needs to be pushed. And Luke kind of calls her on her shit sometimes. And she honestly needs that. So I, I just like them together. The end. Full stop. All right. He doesn't verbally spar with her like those other guys do, Christopher and Jason. But like... That's not, not every relationship has to be that, you know? Sure. Like, she gets to verbally spar with her daughter. Like, her daughter talks the same way she does. She can just have a different type of relationship with Luke. But for me, it's just, like, very clear that Luke cares about her and understands her. And I know there's going to have problems going on in the future with the relationship, but I just, like, love them together, and I just want them to be happy from now on. Can that just be the truth? Can they just be happy? Can we? Can the rest of the show just focus on Rory's relationship problems and Lorelai can just be happy with Luke? I'm sure that's the case. That's what yeah. happened. Okay. Rory can just have tumultuous. Trum- Lori can just. <laughs> Rory can just have all these like tumult. I'm trying to say tumultuous. I know. Tumultuous. Tumultuous. Rory can just have all these turbulent relationships. Okay. Let's just have one stable thing, guys. Okay. Tumultuous. It's also kind of fun. And I like how Rory is like supportive of her mother's relationship, though, too. Yeah, like, she's she happy Luke. for her mother. Yeah. And, like, I mean, there's obviously going to be the, like, I don't really want to hear about my mom having sex or, like, blah, blah, blah. But, like, she's not, like, oh, don't tell me, mom. She's like, no, good for you. I'm happy. I like that. This is the Rory I like. The supportive Rory who cares about other people's feelings and happiness. I love when Luke brings over the plates at the end of the scene. Because he's, like, I think embarrassed specifically to flirt with her in front of Rory. Yeah. And then Lorelai's like, he called me hot plates. Because <laughs> <laughs> he says hot plates. But he means the plates are hot. Okay, so then in Emily's, Emily's complaining about the neighbor's annoying barking dog, something we can relate to because our neighbors are constantly barking and the dogs we watch are constantly licking their dicks super loudly. Our neighbors are barking or their dogs are? I mean both. You said the neighbors, but honestly both. Yeah. Emily's complaints and reenactment of the neighbors are pretty funny. Yeah. Then Emily gets a letter about some function coming up. We don't know what it is, but she's like, oh, I need to get a meeting with Richard. And she tells her maid to talk to his valet and make it happen this maid has had more lines than any maid has ever had yeah later emily and richard are having a cold strictly business meeting addressing the bills and dividing up who needs to attend what function emily also says that she wants him to take his cadillac to a gas station from now on and when he wants to work on it because when he works on it at home it leaks oil in the driveway and there's a stain and she hates it and she has to see it all the time and then richard has this great line where he's like oh you can see the driveway with your nose so high in the air (laughs) That was funny. He like apologizes. Like, yeah, sorry. he's like, that was, that was unprofessional. Loud. But he's finally like, I agree. But it's clearly this like, well, fuck you then. This is how it's going to be kind of line. So their relationship right now is like very cold in business. It's yeah. clear. It's not getting better. There's kind of a shot that mimics the end of the Blast Apple scene in the yeah. previous season, where it's just mm-hmm. like a long shot of them sitting across from each other silently at the table, very cold. So my my question here is like, do they just want a divorce or are they like, we'll cool off eventually and get better? Or is it like, we're not getting divorced because of the optics of that? 
I guess they haven't really said. It does seem like they're trying to keep up appearances, and only Rory and Laurel I know at this time. Right. I don't know. I feel like once old people get to a certain point, like getting a divorce is just kind of like, why? Right. Like, you're not going to find a new partner. Yeah. I mean, they're not that old, and they're very social, so it's not like they're just going to, like, waste away at home. But it, it is a whole thing to, like, announce that. It's like a gossip thing, which Emily especially seems very concerned about. Right. But at some point, like, putting on this charade is going to be exhausting. Yeah. But, yeah, maybe they both hope, like, eventually it'll get better. I don't know. They also seem to not be trying to make it better at all. Exactly, exactly. At Yale, Rory is moving into a new dorm where she runs into Marty. If you remember, that's her one college friend who isn't one of her roommates. Who disappeared, like, after the Yale game. Yeah, I thought he might have been a love interest at first. I feel like he's not going to be ever, but... He seems love interested. I agree, but she does not, in my opinion. (laughs) I feel like he's going to be friend-zoned, and maybe Rory will feel bad about that at some point. I don't see him on any DVD covers, is my point. (laughs) Stop looking at DVD covers, Brian. Stop (laughs) looking at Netflix thumbnails. Just let the show happen to you. Marty, I'm sorry, buddy. I hope you find someone, but I don't think it's going to be Rory. What? Rory calls... What's that? Nothing. Rory calls Paris to find out that Asher died. Oof. Oof. He died of a heart attack. Paris is depressed and also handling his funeral affairs. Rory asks if it was during sex, and Paris is like, no, a great man was not brought down by my vagina. That was very funny. But also when she gets off the phone, Marty asks the same question. Apparently there was a pool going that he was going to die during sex. Paris is very sad. So later we cut to Marty finishing a story to Rory where he just found out that his uncle is actually his dad. That's insane. But then we just sort of drop that, like, not a big deal. That's like a, a Glenn line. Yeah. Then the story gets interrupted when some like douchey, popular, preppy guys walk by and sort of like bump into him and start giving him shit and making fun of him. One of these guys is someone named Logan, and he's probably the nicest of these shitty dudes. Sure. It seems Marty knows them. He bartends at a couple of their parties, and they're like, oh, yeah, I guess we kind of remember you. Again, Logan talking to him kind of nicely, only nice compared to the other people. The whole thing is very condescending, like, oh, you've worked for us, you peasant kind of attitude. Not like, fuck you, but like, we're better than you, but we recognize you're a human being, (laughs) I guess is how I would describe it. Yeah. I want to point out here that Logan has seems to have a partner. He's got his arm around a woman. Mm, Sure. The maid had way more lines than that woman, though. It's true. They seem like total dicks, especially one of Logan's friends. Like, like a total fucking asshole. And when they leave, Marty's like, oh, I kind of hate them. So then they go back to the room, and when Rory gets there, Paris is there, and she she's told Rory that she's taken the largest room with the most sun. But that's good for Rory, because then she doesn't have to worry about melanoma. I know. She's like, well, yours gets less sun. Like, it's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They hug, though, which is nice, because Paris is sad. Yeah, Rory's very sweet to Paris in this episode. And I, I want to point out that, like, so often in the show, we just had, like, this whole last season ending and the first couple episodes where Rory has done bad stuff. Rory participated in an affair. Uh, Rory, in a sense, kind of ruined a, a marriage. Not just Rory's fault. Again, I'm not saying this is a Rory's fault, but, like, she was part of it. But also then just was like, fuck you, mom, and, like, left and then ghosted the guy who she just cheated on. Again, Dean is at fault here, but ghosting him was not a good thing. But then this is the Rory I'm talking about that cares about other people. Like Paris is insufferable. Paris is always selfish, thinking about herself. But Rory like goes out of her way to be a sweet, good friend to her. Like caring about her even though she doesn't approve of Asher's relationship. And then later in this episode, she like goes out of her way to like put on a wake for her and like put posters up for her. And she's not yelling at – she's giving Paris the better room. 
I don't know. Like, this is the Rory that I know and love and care about and want to succeed. It's just interesting to be like, this is this the true Rory? I feel like it is. Right. Anyway, like I sort of alluded to, Paris wants to have a wake for Asher in their dorm. And Rory's like, okay, sure, we can do that. The very end of the scene, Paris is dealing with, like, Asher's incompetent lawyer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> She's like, did you take the bar? Just hang out and watch. <laughs> She'd, like, set up earlier that the lawyer was really dumb. Writing for Paris must be fun. You can be so mean. <laughs> yeah. Insults. Then back in Stars Hollow, Lorelai is walking through town and she passes the gossip team. Ms. Patty, Babette, and an old woman I don't remember. She's the Brussels Brussels woman from when the second troubadour started a farmer's market. That's right. And apparently she's also in Buffy. Right. I knew she was the one from Buffy, but I was like, I don't remember her name or what her deal was. Well, they're gossiping about a guy in town, Jerry Cutler, who thought he dumped his wife for a much younger woman, only to find out that the younger woman was actually older. Gross. He thought she was 24, but she's actually 36. Gross. It's so funny to me because it's like, okay, but if you thought she was young because she looked younger, like, you still win. You still still win. (laughs) Assuming everyone else thinks she looks younger. Yeah, it's like, oh my god, you're not 24, you just look 24? Like, (laughs) okay, (laughs) you still win, buddy. I love the line, she knew way too much about sushi to be from Kentucky. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not saying the guy should have left his wife for a younger woman. I just meant as far as, like, I mean, he still wins, I guess, you know. But then they have a line like, he's going to go get his prescription checked. So you were just leaving your wife for a woman who said she was younger, but you don't know she's more attractive? Okay, whatever. Speaking of attractive people, I just have to say that I feel like Lorelai looks fantastic this season. I don't know if it's her hair or clothing choices or if Luke just brings out the inner beauty in her, but I feel like she just looks gorgeous this entire season. I did not like her hair last season, so maybe that was it. But I like, think it's because we've been watching Mighty Ducks where she's 20 years older. That's that's funny. Maybe that is true subconsciously. I'm like, wow, she looks so much better than she did last week. She still looks good in Mighty Ducks, but you're, you're probably going to be more attracted to someone that's your own age than someone that's old enough to be your mother. Yeah, I'm not shitting on that. She actually, for her age in Mighty Ducks, she looks great. I just want to point out that I just, I honestly think she looks better than she did last season. She's glowing. She's got a new business. She's got a new boyfriend. But she hears the girls gossiping, and this is going to be important later, and it's kind of like, smile, smile, and then takes off. And then that night, she goes on her date with Luke. Luke comes to pick her up at her house, which surprises Lorelai because she expected to meet him at the diner. And the two of them have this, like, super awkward, but in a cute way, like, interaction where they just don't know how to date each other. Like, he's like, oh, I'll hold the door. And it's like this, oh, yeah, I should just go get that. Oh, yeah, I should let you hold the door. Like, that kind of thing. Either Luke is very early or she was going to be super late. <laughs> like, they had a time. Yeah. But they've also been confused about who's picking up who before. Because remember in the wedding, he was supposed to pick her up there and she just showed up at the diner. So maybe she just doesn't listen. <laughs> maybe that's what it is. Luke then takes her to his favorite diner. A place he goes two or three times a week where he has a special relationship with the owners. We are introduced to the owner, Maisie, which is played by the same actress who played the old woman in Buffy's last season where the wild things are. The woman who like abused all these like sexually repressed children. So this is a very different role for her. Mm-hmm. I was like, where do I know this woman for and why do I hate her? Oh, yes, that's right. Yeah. Also, according to us, plays Grams and Charmed. Yes. She and her husband, Buddy, seem like sort of like parental figures a bit for Luke. We find out that he's known Maisie for like forever and she helped him a lot when his dad died. And Buddy helped him a lot when Luke tried to turn the hardware store into a restaurant, helped him learn how to run a restaurant. So he's got like a very close relationship with the two of them. Maisie orders them some champagne and tells Luke he can't have a beer because this is a date, not a ball game. Buddy suggests something with garlic, and Maisie's like, no garlic. The boy's on a date. Give him a chance. Yeah. 
She also mentions this place used to be a whorehouse. I like Maisie. She's like, this place used to be a whorehouse. What was the joke that he filled his whacking quota for the week? That was funny. I think maybe Lorelai made like a mob joke about. Oh, yes. She said that this like, because they had a table reserved. She's like, oh, is this like a mafia place? Did you have to whack somebody? And he's like, oh, I finished my whacking quota for the week. And then he realizes how that sounded. But Lorelai's like, I love this place. It's interesting because I wasn't sure if she actually loved it or if she's just like, this is clearly important to Luke. So I'm going to say that I love it. I don't know that it's so much the place, but she likes that Luke has a place. Yeah. And like that she's learning something new about Luke. Right. She's like, this is your Luke's. Yeah. Lorelai at some point starts reading the backside of the menu, which is a very, very long and depressing backstory for the diner. It includes the death of a dog. Yeah. Speaking of backstories, Lorelai asks Luke if he remembers the day that they met. She doesn't really remember, but Luke remembers it perfectly. He's like an annoying woman, kept bugging him for coffee one day when he was really busy. So at some point, he just calls her annoying and told her to sit down. She then asks his birthday, then takes out the newspaper's horoscope section, writes something on it, and rips it off and gives it to him. And then the Scorpio section, which is him, says, you will meet an annoying woman today, give her coffee and she'll go away. And then she told him to keep it in his wallet for luck. Well, lo and behold, this memory has a big impact on Luke. In fact, he pulls the horoscope out of his wallet. He's been holding on to it for eight years. Uh, this, um, this has an impact on Lorelai. You could just tell she's like very like verklempt. Is that the word? <laughs> like I don't know. She does, she's just like very touched by this and doesn't know quite what to say. I just looked it up. It means the act of sitting in such a way on purpose that your penis slips between your butt. <laughs> You can just hear it and you're like, are you a cornhole girl? What's no, I'm verklempt. On? I'm sorry. Yeah. No, verklempt means overcome with emotion. Yeah, so that's kind of what I'm talking about. She, you can just see she's like super touched by this. Then Luke just puts all of his metaphorical cards on the table here. He tells Lorelai that he is all in on their relationship. And then he asks her, like, you know, does that make you scared? Are you scared? Cut to them naked in bed at Luke's. <laughs> so probably not scared. They cornholed. <laughs> yeah. She calls him out for having been pining for her all this time. He tries to say he just doesn't clean out his wallet, but I don't know. He's maybe been pining. No, I mean, it's, it's pretty clear he's been pining. He grabs, I love this scene too. He grabs a notepad and says, all right, let's just get this out of the way right now. Tell me what CDs to get so I don't have to hear about it. <laughs> and he's like, I'll do anything you want, but none where guys dress like pirates. I don't do guys dress like pirates. Lorelai loves this and tells him that this has been a really great first date, which is interesting comparing this to her first date with Jason, which... Ended up being a good first date, but, like, honestly, I thought it was a terrible first date. This is such an interesting... It's very cute, the CD thing, but just, like, now that would not happen. Like, she could just play her favorite music from her Spotify yeah, exactly. if she was over at his place. Exactly. Just such a funny thing that he's going to, like, go out and buy a copy of CDs she probably owns. Mm-hmm. There's just so much about the relationship I love. Like, it's so clear Luke loves her. Like, really. Yeah. And it, you see it, I think, more with other characters because we know Luke doesn't like A, B, C, D. Right. You know what I mean? And it's I don't mean like, oh, he's self-sacrificing. It's just like you could just tell like Luke doesn't like doing these things, but like he will do them for her because like he cares about her and he wants her happy. It's maybe kind of the difference with her and Jason. Like I think Jason really liked her a lot and cared about her, but they were a bit more like we're dating, not like we're doing this with the goal of like finding a person at this time. Yeah. Well, yeah, I would say that Jason would do things for Lorelai, but it, he maybe wasn't all in. Right. He was like, I'm in and maybe I will be all in, but I'm not. But Luke's like, no, I am all in on Lorelai. The next morning, Lorelai gets up and wants some coffee. So she puts on Luke's shirt and goes downstairs where the diner is open for business and full of people. 
Caesar opened it that day. So she walks down, just in Luke's shirt. Everybody's there, Gypsy, Kirk. Everyone's just staring at her. <laughs> and then she just goes upstairs and she's like, well, I think they might know about us. <laughs> the DL thing's not going to happen. Later at Yale, Paris is preparing for Asher's wake. And Rory agrees to put up flyers for Paris. I mentioned that earlier. And when she steps outside, Logan and his dipshit asshole friends walk past. Logan's friend is trying to find the dorm of a girl he met on the previous night. He can't quite remember which room it was, probably because he was very drunk, I think is the indication. Yeah. I want to say that the the friends, though, they almost talk Shakespearean, like this sure. like overdramatic, like, I think it was here. Like, they're, they're being dramatic, like they're being pulled by their emotions to the apartment, almost like using his emotions like a divining rod or something. That's a fun way to think about them. That's how it seems to me. <laughs> I'm just excited. That's all. I'm excited to see where this goes. The friend thinks that it might be Rory's room, so he starts to leave his number, and Logan makes a joke like, don't leave your number, and the guy's like, well, I'm leaving your number. But then Rory shows up, and she's like, that's not this girl's room, that's my room. And then Logan's like, okay, well then, do leave my number. So now we know that Logan is interested in Rory, at least physically. But, 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 was Logan not just with a woman? I mean, he had his arm around a woman. So he was giving her a noogie? I don't know. That woman barely was given any kind of meaning. I barely noticed her. I agree with you, but it was just like a weird... It'd be one thing if like we saw him with a girl in one episode and then two episodes later he doesn't have a girlfriend. Whatever, sure. But we saw him with a girl like yesterday. Sure. And yet maybe she's not going to be anybody, but like, I don't know. It's like a weird that he's like, yeah, I had this girl. She meant nothing. Then why have her in the scene? Oh, maybe Logan was just joking with Rory. Sure. It's just interesting to like the show was like, he's got a girlfriend, everybody. Oh, he wants to be with Rory. He's leaving her number for Rory. I mean, I understand that he might have just been sort of like, oh, this girl's hot, but has no intention of cheating on his significant other. But still, it bothered me a lot. It bothers you that Logan might be cheating? Yeah. Okay. I, I'm sure that's probably a turn on for Rory at this point, but whatever. <laughs> oh, man. Um, he tries to talk to her a little bit. He's sort of like, oh, you putting these flyers up? Oh, are you boning this guy? And she's like, no. And he's like, well, you can see why I think that. You're putting up flyers for an old man. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, who would do that for a teacher? He can tell that she seems to hate him. And he's like, you don't like me, but you don't know me. And she's like, oh, we've met. You know my friend. And he can't remember Marty. So she's mad at him for not remembering Marty's name. And he's all like, I think I was nice to Marty. And she's like, no, you talked down to him like you were better than him. So he starts apologizing. But it seems very like, well, you know, I'm sorry that I was a dick, I guess. But, you know, that's fine that it was. But the, their argument for Logan, he treats it like they're... They're having a debate, like an mm -hmm. actual debate, not like a fun debate you would have with somebody. Asking her to formulate her argument about whether or not, you know, he should or shouldn't treat Marty that way. Rory likes debating. Yes. But he's like speaking very grandiloquently. And honestly, this like, I feel like he thinks this is like flirting, like aggressive intellectual flirting. And if I'm being honest, this like form of meet cute flirting debate format is probably how I imagined the perfect way to meet a woman when I was like 20 in college. <laughs> you, this, this is very different than your initial drunken rant that we put on TikTok of your thoughts of Logan. Right. But when I was 20, I was dumb. So like the stupid, dumb 20 Brian, like you don't need to play devil's advocate all the time. So you were a Jess who fancied yourself a Logan? If Jess went to school, he would be Logan, okay? <laughs> he just didn't. I don't know that Jess would just, like, come up to a woman and start doing this, though. No, that's because Jess doesn't articulate things very well. It's The thing is, though, he's doing this, like, white guy playing devil's advocate for the sake of playing devil's advocate, which, honestly, at some point, 
just becomes so exhausting. You know, it's like you don't have to always play devil's advocate. Sometimes it's important to do it if you're trying to really decide something. But about how to treat your friend, it's just like, oh, you could just be nice. It's exhausting to play devil's advocate all the fucking time. He promises to remember names next time. And the conversation ends with him saying, now tell me that wasn't fun, which made me so mad because I bet Rory was like, it was fun in her head. (laughs) I hated it so much. Tell me that wasn't fun. What wasn't fun? You like forcing her into a debate she had no interest in because she was articulating her emotions about how you treated her friend, which objectively was shitty. But anyway, he's like, wasn't that fun? Then he starts to leave. And he's all like, Master and Commander. And she's like, what, the movie? He's like, no, that's what I want you to call me from now on. What the fuck is that mean? I don't really get that. Because that just seems like a huge douche move. Unless it's like referencing something in a way I don't understand. Yeah. So I just, I, just, I, I don't want to talk this to death, but it really bothers me. Because I do feel like the concept of two people debating something and a sexual tension and chemistry brewing between them as they grow to respect each other's cleverness and logic and like form of debate is fine. It's even... Hot and like sexy, but that's not what this was. Whoa! Oh, you this wasn't okay. No, no, I'm saying the idea here can be very hot. I like the idea of I'm arguing with this woman, and I'm like, actually, her argument is so good. It's fucking hot. How smart she is! Like she's always got a response. I, I like being attracted to your enemy and like a safe, like just a debate, not like uh, you're trying to kill my people. Like you know, <laughs> like that. That is that is hot. But what this was was just like an arrogant person, <laughs> like being a dick. Sure. Anyway, I don't know if the writers are trying to write the thing I thought would be hot and they thought this was it or if they were saying like, that's what Logan thinks, but that's not actually what's happening. I don't know. What do you think? Was this a hot meet cute as I described it could have been or was this, oh, Logan's just a douche? Um, It's hard to separate myself from everything I know and objectively say how I feel about this scene. Yeah. I mean, aren't you intrigued? I'm intrigued, but I don't, I don't think it was like, oh, Logan's really smart and like intuitive, it just seemed like Logan's talking down to her. Sure. Like I think in my head, Logan's like, "Oh no, I'm pressing you to fight back, so I can see your how smart you are." But like it really, I don't know, it really bothered me because this isn't how people interact. Just talking about emotions and stuff. It wasn't sure. like they're debating an actual topic. I don't want to talk this to death. It's probably not that interesting to listen to, but it just really rubbed me the wrong way. I'm sure I'm gonna love Logan. All right, that you cut that out of the TikTok. I think you stopped recording. I think I started recording after that because I was like, "This needs to be heard." I, we've already mentioned, if you didn't see the TikTok, I'm sure that Logan is going to be a love interest. He's on the front of some DVD cover I saw. He's going to be there. And I am sure the show is written very well. I'm sure the show is at some point going to win me over and be like, redeem Logan and make me love him. But right now, I don't feel that way. I, I'm i upset. I, I, I feel like they introduced him shittily. I remember liking Logan when I watched the show as a younger person. Mm-hmm. I truly don't remember what the first episode I saw of the show was or like where I came into it specifically. It, it wouldn't have been season six or seven, so it, but it could have been season five. And then I went back and watched earlier episodes. I don't know. But I, I do remember feeling positively about Logan in general. Mm-hmm. But I'm excited to rewatch Logan episodes with fresh adult eyes because it has been quite a long time. Well, I will say that this this initial meeting did not win me over for him. It is like Jess where I do see some of my younger self in him, which I like I'm eye rolling right now because my younger self is an idiot of thinking these things are sexy. And maybe the show is telling us like he thinks these things are appropriate and sexy, but they're not. But he does think that that's why he's saying them and he'll grow. And if that's the case, awesome show. But part of me feels like the show's like, no, this is a cool, sexy thing he's doing. I think the show wants us to think that 
he's an arrogant asshole. Okay. But there's something intriguing about him. Yeah, it kind of reminds me if they were like, oh, we're going to do Tristan now. Like, he's this arrogant asshole that is going to be changed by Rory. But the difference is Logan, while he is being kind of an arrogant prick, isn't being, like, mean to Rory. He's just sort of challenging her, whereas Tristan was, like, nagging Rory. Yeah, I agree with you on that. And they went out of their way to say that, like, Logan is not as shitty as these other guys. Anyway, we'll see. I'm sure Logan is going to win me over because the writing in the show is very good. They won me over with Jess, which I thought was impossible. And then Marie goes into her dorm and Paris is smoking a pipe to smell like Asher. Yeah, that's funny. But when Marie snuggles up to her to comfort her. Yeah. Later, Lorelai walks past the three gossiping women again, clearly expecting them to be gossiping about her. She's got this look like, oh, well, here it is. Here it comes. You know, about her and Luke's new relationship. But lo and behold, they're not. In fact, Miss Patty says they need a couple to start fighting because the gossip is so slow right now. They mentioned a couple named Samson and Delilah. Yeah, Samson and Delilah Bible. are fighting again. <laughs> I feel like, I want to say that I feel like half of Babette's best lines are said like off screen right before a scene ends. Mm-hmm. Like right when someone's leaving. Like Babette says that some woman's butt implant deflated. Yeah. And Miss Patty is like, well, if your doctor accepts a coupon. <laughs> but like the focus is on like Lorelai being a little upset that they're not gossiping about her so it's just like this is a little thing you can maybe listen to in the background i love that yeah that same night lorelei is dragging luke to a town meeting he is complaining about going uh he's like i'm not gonna go to all these but as far as i can tell luke has been at every goddamn town meeting in the show yeah maybe not every but he's often there almost always he's like i'm not gonna come to these like dude you've been going on the way to the town meeting lorelei gets a call from emily emily is having a nice night She just finished her meal. She just finished lightly scolding the maid. (laughs) And then she noticed Richard leaving in his car at 7.30 at night, WTF? Where could he be going at 7.30 at night? She was reading in the living room. And then when she calls Lorelai, she tells her she was going upstairs to read. She just got bored reading in the living room after like one word. I feel like that was just a writing mistake. I thought that was weird. It's like you were just starting to read in the living room, but whatever. But, you know, she's freaking about where could Richard be going. And Lorelai's like, well, I don't know. I don't really have time for this. And she hangs up. I don't know why she doesn't say she's on a date. I don't know why she's, like, keeping that from her mom. I guess because it's Luke. I, I, I don't know. She keeps relationships from her mom all the time, and it gets her in trouble every time. So I don't know why she's lying. I mean, she just said she was on her way to something. She's gone on her way to the meeting. It wasn't a But her mom made a big date. deal of saying, like, okay, you're not going to tell me where you're going? Yeah. She's like, what is this event? And, like, she doesn't say it. Just be like, I'm going on a date. Anyway. Lorelai hangs up and enters the meeting, and the meeting is fucking goddamn hilarious. I mean, I laughed immediately at this scene. (laughs) The bookstore owner, Gypsy, and some other people are just physically reenacting a fender bender that occurred (laughs) to decide who was at fault and who has to pay the fine. And they're, like, voting on it. And it's just, like, it's just, they're just, like, doing an improv scene, essentially, of the scene. Like, you know, that's going to determine what happened. I know. One of them's like, I turned and looked, and Gypsy's like, you did not. (laughs) It's like, yeah, it turns out you didn't look. All this is just so funny. Then they just vote on who was at fault, and Gypsy is at fault, and she's just like, this town needs to get a courthouse. (laughs) So fucking funny. Then, 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 Dosi, who I hate, by the way, uh, says it's time to discuss the possible negative ramifications of the inn owner and the diner owner dating. Dosi says the relationship we have all feared for some time has emerged. And I'm like, this is a relationship I have been so excited for for so long. Dosi and 
other people, I assume, are worried that if they break up, the town will have to take sides. Just like Faye and Art. Just like Faye and Art. And he brings up these people for like 10 years ago. One was a candy store owner. One was a flower store owner. But then they split up and then like you had to pick teams. Because Art met Margie the Fudge Queen. Yeah, which is a lot <laughs> to unpack there, right? <laughs> she cornholed for sure. <laughs> for sure. By the way, Lorelai is snacking on marshmallows during this. And Luke's like, you know we're going to dinner after the movie. That's three hours from now. Have a snack, Lorelai. To be fair, though, I agree with you, but that fair that's a huge-ass bag of marshmallows. It's <laughs> so many. That's just like, dinner's so far from now. Yeah, I agree with you that it's fine that she has a snack. Also, we know that Lorelai eats, like, a pig constantly. Yeah, get used to it, Lukey. <laughs> so they're worried that they're going to date and break up. There's even, like, a really funny line where Dosia is like, and let's all admit that... Lorelai's relationships all tend to go sour. <laughs> There's a lot of funny stuff here. Like Kirk mentions that they think that Faye still lives in the caves by the mill. <laughs> and you can hear her singing or something. And like Dozy then has charts about Art and Faye's breakup and how it affected the town's economy. And Luca's like, wait, 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 wait. You have charts related to the romance of two people who used to live in the town 10 years ago? <laughs> It's like three charts they discuss for a while. Yeah. Uh, we, it's funny because then we cut back to them later and they're just like, he's got all these charts set up. And then a chart of like how they think the town would be divided if they break up. <laughs> it's so funny. And like someone points out like, whoa, whoa, whoa I actually think that part would be Luke's. <laughs> Uh, it gets interrupted because Emily calls again. She's still freaking out. She's decided to get in a car and drive around and come back later than Richard. So Richard could be worried about where she was. Apparently he came home at 830 and then left again. Where's he yeah. going? To get blowjobs. <laughs> Probably to get more apples, I would assume. Emily wants to get coffee with Lorelai because Lorelai and Rory are the only two people that know about their separation. So they're the only two she could talk to about what happened. But Lorelai's like, I can't, but accidentally mentions that Rory is at school right now. Uh, then she hangs up, and at this point, Luke loses his cool, grabs the charts, and just says that, fine, you know what, we don't have to debate this. If we break up, which isn't going to happen, but if they break up, Luke will move. He promises. Lorelai shouts, show them the horoscope. A <laughs> <laughs> yeah. couple of interesting things here. Dosi says, like, write that down. He promised to leave. So 100% they're going to break up, and this, this is going to come up again. And, I mean, it's clear they're setting up. At some point, they're going to break up. I don't know what the circumstances are going to be. It might be, like, maybe they'll go back together, but, like, they're going to break up, and then Luke's going to have to move. Hmm. I mean, that's clearly why that is why this whole was set. They wouldn't have said all this stuff. He wouldn't have said he promises to move, and then Dosi say, write that down. If this wasn't going to happen. Well. So I believe that that is what's going to happen at some point. And I hate it. And I'm upset about, fuck you, just can't they be happy together, please? Well, they wrote it down. But also, 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 also. so funny. As they're leaving, Dosi says, all right, and then our next meeting, we're going to have our fingerprints taken for the government. <laughs> what? Yeah, I know. I feel like when we first started on this journey... You hated the town and thought the town meetings were weird. But I was like, I remember loving the town meetings. And it's ones like these that solidify those good memories, I think. Well, I stand by what I said in that they are weird and they don't make sense. But like at some point you're like, that's the reality we're deciding is okay. Yeah. And they're funny. Yeah, they're very funny. Luke asks Lorelai after all of this if she's still in. And she's like, you bet I am. So she liked this like public declaration of love. Yeah. At the wake, Paris is overwhelmed with all the people who came to celebrate Asher's life. Meanwhile, Marty and Rory are trying to hide the fact that people are there to drink and have no idea who Asher is. 
But then Lorelai calls Rory and is just like, sorry, 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 because she realizes that she did mention that Rory was at her dorm right now. And Emily just shows up at the wake to talk to Rory. It's pretty funny. Paris, like, hugs Emily, and she's like, it means so much that you came. Emily's like, yes, of course. Emily has no idea what's going on. She just thinks that Paris, like, really respected this teacher. He, she says he's very devoted to his students. <laughs> yeah. But while Emily's uh, uh, consoling Paris, Rory thanks Marty for everything Marty has done. And Marty's like, anything for you. Oh, you poor simp. You poor, poor simp, Marty. Mm-hmm. Then Marty asks if Rory has a boyfriend. The wording here is a little strange because he says, you never mentioned having a boyfriend. So I was just wondering what the deal was. And she says, I don't know. And Marty's like, cool, cool. But what does that mean? And that is a fair question because it's not like, do you have, like, you should know what the deal is if you don't right. have a boyfriend. As like, weird as Marty's being, Rory's being weirder. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. I keep being like, weird, Marty. Well, that's a weird answer though, Rory. She answers like she doesn't understand the question. <laughs> like, yeah. What would that even mean? And then she's like, I don't know. And he's like, oh, cool, cool. But like, how do you not know? It's like something that people tend to know, which I know he's being a little weird, but like, he is right. <laughs> like, yeah. if you're not in a relationship, you generally know. Except for Lindsay. She did not know. <laughs> <laughs> she was not in a relationship anymore. Oh, too soon. Yeah. Then Rory just like leaves and goes to Dean's. And the episode ends with her walking into her Dean's parents' place, presumably to discuss with Dean what their relationship is. Yeah, Dean kind of happily lets her in. Is it happily? He lets her in. I don't know if it's happily. Yeah, I mean, I feel like he's happy to see her or like yeah. he, he welcomes her in. Sure. But also before Rory leaves the dorm, Emily is just like venting to Paris about Richard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then someone brings her a drink. She's like, thank you, Thomas. I'll need a napkin. She's <laughs> like fully settled in as Emily at this yeah. wake party. Yeah, that's funny. So, Stacy, do you think this is a good episode? I do. I enjoy this one a lot. Yeah, it was really good. I mean, I love Luke and Lorelai together and this was just like celebrating that so much that like i just fucking loved it so much there's a lot of big memorable moments in this episode mm-hmm. the um the date with lorelei and luke going mm-hmm. to that restaurant the horoscope i'm all mm-hmm. in is a big big thing her coming down to the diner in luke's shirt really sticks out in my mind yeah the town meeting was funny the the flirting scene with them at the diner was really memorable for me but also, yeah, it was just really funny. The The town meeting was so funny. The introduction of Logan is huge. Mm-hmm. Not a lot wrong with this one for me. I agree. Yeah, uh, I liked it a lot. So which episode do you think was better? Gilmore Girls. I think it was pretty clear. Yeah, I agree. So far, Gilmore Girls sweeping season five, BMO. I agree, but I uh, I think Buffy's got a lot of good ones coming up, actually. So Quite a few good ones coming up. Gilmore Girls. It's getting tough. Well, come on, Buffy. Can you come back? We'll find out. Mm-hmm. No, Buffy's not been bad. Just nothing's really happened yet. Gilmore has been like very solid so far. Like very solid episodes, even for Gilmore standards. Just good, good, good Gilmores. GGGGs. Well, if you want to watch along next week, we'll be watching Gilmore Girls Season 5, Episode 4, Tippy Canoe, and Taylor 2. As well as Buffy the Vampire Slayer Season 5, Episode 4, Out of My Mind. In the meantime, we'd love to hear your thoughts on the episodes discussed in this podcast. Do you think that this Logan thing was a good meet cute? Did you like Logan the first time you met him? Did you know that Xander had a twin the first time you watched it? Or were you just like, wow, this show's really figured out CGI since the mayor snake? Okay, the pool house has a kitchen. Is that weird? Or is that just like, yeah, rich people have multiple kitchens? What's going on with this real estate agent and her jacket fetish? (laughs) Do you like Riley? Are you a Riley apologist? 
Have you cornholed? Let us know. You can reach out by following us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok at Gilmore Slayer, where we post interactive questions, comedy sketches based on each episode, and more. Or send us an email at brianandstacyreviews at gmail.com. Brian with a Y, Stacy with an EY. For more bonus content, find us on Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash Brian and Stacy, where we post weekly video recaps of the show Angel and host monthly live streamed watch parties of Buffy and Gilmore Girls and post monthly podcast outtakes and share early extended episode previews. And shout out to our new Patreon subscribers, Maddie Vo, Lun User 222, Natalie Miller, Justine, and Lowry Carini. Thanks a lot. For more non-podcast content, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel, also called Brian and Stacy. If you want to support the podcast, you can do so by making a donation of your choosing via the link found at the bottom of our episode description or in our social media bios. And if you like what you're hearing, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and we'll give you a shout-out on an upcoming podcast. So, do you want to... It's so hard to do when we're in separate rooms. We used to cornhole all the way through the podcast. Yeah. Now we got to wait till before and after. See you next time. Bye.